Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Satiate today. I'm Sue Van Rees, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, author, and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats, both locally and internationally. Food has so much power. Power to nourish, to strengthen, and to connect us to one another. That said, it's a true rarity to find a woman today who is at peace with her plate, with how she eats, how she looks, and how she feels in her body. Satiate is here to engage in meaningful conversation about what it really means to have food and body freedom, to show up in life as who you really are, to trust yourself tracking the intelligent design of your body, and to prosper with embodied self-care in doing so. Satiate offers you functional nutrition and food psychology insights, some of my favorite special guests and experts from all over the world, and some personal insights and anecdotes that can act as salve for your soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That way, you'll be sure to be alerted when new episodes are published and help me spread the word so that other women in need can find their way to this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. I want to take a moment and introduce to you today's special guest, all the way from the UK, Athena Crilly, who is a podcaster, an author, a writer, and a social media manager. She is the host of Finding My Fit podcast because she's really passionate about helping people in finding their happiest and healthiest lives. For years, she suffered with her own mental health, spent a lot of time hating herself and punishing her body and thinking that she didn't deserve to be happy. And she knows how unfortunate it is that her story is not rare and how millions of individuals suffer with their physical and mental health today. She wants to share her story and experience with others to inspire them and to show them that being happy and healthy is 100% possible. In her book, Diaries of an Anorexic, Athena shares a powerful and intimate recovery story, detailing her seven-year roller coaster battle with anorexia nervosa. In this heart-wrenching memoir, she shares private diary entries from her darkest times and shows how anorexia took hold of her during her teenage years and kept her tightly in its clutches until early adulthood. While everyone has a different struggle that is unique and personal, there are often similarities between individuals diagnosed with anorexia. Athena encourages any sufferers to work towards recovery and to realize that recovery is possible through making small, consistent changes and building a strong support network. I'm excited to share today's episode with you, and I hope you enjoy this important conversation. 
Thank you for joining me on the show today, Athena. It is, it's great to have you. And I'm really excited to have this conversation and share what you're doing in the world, which is amazing work. So yes, thanks for being here. Let's start with telling me a little bit about your story and how you landed doing what you're doing in the world today. Yeah, sure. So um, predominantly at the moment, I am a podcaster. I have my own podcast called Finding My Fit. I'm also a writer and also a social media manager. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. And I have in the past also been a coach. At the moment, I don't have any clients because I just don't have any time to take on more clients. But I did used to train people online in health and fitness and nutrition and how I got into all those things um, my podcast I started a year and a half ago and it was something that I'd wanted to do for quite a while before I actually took the leap because I listened to so many podcasts myself I'm obsessed and um, I'm really interested in health fitness and nutrition I've always been interested in those things um, so those are like the the main topics of my podcast and in terms of my writing I don't really know how I, I just fell into writing about a year ago and I don't really even know how um, but that is like my main job right now um, and in terms of my coaching I I got into fitness in my first year of university when I was about 20, 19 or 20. And I decided to study my personal training course uh, a year after that. And from there, I just found this love of like teaching other people what I knew in terms of how to work out, what to do with your diet and nutrition if you have certain goals and that is why I started coaching and I really do love coaching and I wish I had more time to do it but at the moment I've put it on a hold so I can focus on my other stuff. Yeah it's a lot when you're doing so many different things in the world and trying to juggle all of them I totally understand that piece. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in, it sounds like you've had an interesting personal journey with food and body that kind of inspired your work. Um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about the personal side of your story and how that influences your work today? Yeah, of course. So my personal story is I had an eating disorder and I suffered with anorexia for about seven years. So I was first diagnosed when I was 13 and I wouldn't really say I properly started recovering until I was about 19 or 20. And even then when I started recovery, it took me a couple of years before I felt like I was completely free of my eating disorder. And during that time, um, I was hospitalized five different times. Um, the first time being when I was 13, the last time being when I was 19. Um, and in terms of how that has shaped my, I mean, it shaped my whole life. It shaped who I am, I believe, because for so long I had this eating disorder throughout like my whole teenage years. And those are like the prime time times for, you know, developing all your social skills and all that kind of thing. So I do feel like it's impacted who I am today, but I don't see it as a negative thing. Um, 
I see it as a positive thing now because it's shown me, you know, how strong I can be and how resilient the body really is to so much abuse for years, you know, and I can use my story to help other people. And I do try and spread the awareness about eating disorders. And I weave a bit of that into my content, into my podcast, into my social media content, because I think there's always more that we can do and more to talk about when it comes to eating disorders. Absolutely. I'm curious with all those hospital stays and with all the inner work that you have to do throughout recovery, what are some, what are some things you learned? I mean, that's so much to go through as a young person. And often what I find with women that I work with is that when they have this type of recovery at such a young age, they're doing this deep work so young that many people don't even have access to at that age. And I know that it can really help sculpt positive change for lives down the road with all of this inner work that's required to transform something that's so intense. What are some of the things that you learned that are poignant for maybe others to hear? Yeah, oh, I feel like there are so many different things I could mention. I think, I think for me, the most, the biggest thing that it has taught me, and I kind of mentioned this before, is that how strong you can be. And I think a lot of people don't realize how tough they are until they go through something that is that difficult because there were times during my eating disorder where I literally felt so hopeless. And I remember saying to my dad, I always remember this for some reason, but I remember saying, I'm never going to recover from this. Like this is going to be with me forever. This is going to be my life. And it really felt like that at the time. And I'm sure anybody who's listening who has an eating disorder will be able to resonate with that feeling. And yet here I am today and I don't, have an eating disorder I don't have any eating disorder thoughts you know it's not a part of my life and I think that that is like the main takeaway is you can do anything if you set your mind to it and you are a lot stronger than you probably think but sometimes it takes going through something really really tough and coming out the other side to actually realize that absolutely it's such a good reminder that we can often feel overwhelmed by these types of behaviors and thoughts and all the things that lead women, especially towards that disordered eating and dysfunctional relationship with our bodies and ourselves that can bring us down and leave us feeling so alone and overwhelmed. And yet here we are, and I know there's so many women listening who are like, there's a glimmer of hope for them hearing your story because they may be in the, in the thick of it right now, feeling how you felt when you were younger. I'm curious with the clients that you work with today and the work that you do today with, you know, all these different avenues around health and healing, what do you notice that people are most struggling with? In terms of, in terms of what their nutrition or their mindset. Exactly. Yeah. What are people struggling? I would, I would say 
I think I think in an increasing problem and something that people are like suffer, I guess not suffering that's not the right word but people are worried about more and more is because I think probably because of the increase in social media and the internet as a whole people there's very much this sort of you have to look a certain way and you have to eat a certain diet and exercise a certain way if you want to be you know beautiful and pretty in society's standards and this can perpetuate this I think that perpetuates eating disorders quite a lot because you're looking at all these celebrities who look perfect probably because of photoshop or surgery or makeup but they look perfect to you and you think oh why do I not look like that and that can lead to you restricting in terms of your nutrition it can lead to you over exercising feeling really down about yourself so it all like interlinks into your physical and mental health and I think that's probably the biggest problem nowadays is everybody wants to look a certain way and we're we're not really taught the proper way to go about nutrition and exercise if we want to reach our goals instead we just think oh we need to excessively diet and excessively exercise but that isn't really the answer yeah it's very um interesting when we're in this time in the world in this culture in the world where we're so consumed with social media especially and hence social comparison. And I know that you have a vibrant social media platform and how do you tailor your messaging or how do you show up on social media to promote a more self-loving, internally strong and sovereign message versus that exact type of social comparison that can lead us to having such challenging thoughts about ourselves and really linking our personal worth and value with how we appear and how our bodies look and how the world, you know, kind of values our beauty. Can you, can you talk to that a little bit? Because I know your messaging is on point with showing up and encouraging people to stay really in tune with themselves and living from an inner place of vitality and health rather than an outer experience to match kind of what the world is telling us we should be doing yeah sure I think in terms of my social media content I really try and keep it positive like as much as I can and you know I post a lot of positive quotes I try to post a lot of helpful health tips but they're not they're not coated in diet culture I don't really promote dieting at all I have done a couple of episodes in the past where I've had guests on who are talking about weight loss but those episodes are always centered around healthy ways to lose weight because at the end of the day you know some people do want to lose weight they they want to just feel a bit better in themselves and there's nothing wrong with that but then what can be wrong with that is if they go about doing things the wrong way like I said exactly. before, restricting, over-exercising. So if I do talk about anything to do with bodies, diets, exercise, I try and come at it from a healthy mindset because I know how easy it can be for you to see something online and then go down this spiral of unhealthy habits. Um, so I guess I just try and keep everything positive. 
I also like to, um, I guess, show the human side on my social media accounts as well. Um, I don't post a lot of selfies on my podcast account, but I do like to show my face every so often. And I think that can really help to show that, you know, we're all, we're all in it together a bit like that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess that's, that's what I do really. Yeah. And I'm curious, you mentioned um, healthy eating and you also mentioned healthy mindset. And I think that's from what my experience is one of the hardest places to make a change our minds tend to overpower us sometimes and they feel often even out of control with negative talk, self-criticism, self-judgment. And having had your experience of being really in the thick of it during your recovery and being hospitalized multiple times, I'm sure your mindset was at times really challenging if that's the place you were in. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I think mindset is one of the most foundational aspects to work with within our health and within our happiness. And yet one of the most complex because most of us aren't really trained on how to work with our mindset or how to work with our thoughts, unless we do like years of spiritual practice or years of recovery. I'm curious what would you say were some of the most impactful ways that you upgraded your mindset over the many years of recovery? Yeah, oh, um, it's such a tough question because I feel like, like you said, mindset is so complicated. And I think a lot of my mindset changes were very, very gradual, but also kind of natural like I didn't I don't remember doing anything specifically to like you know recover really I I, like I really don't know exactly what helped me to finally recover um I know I during like the thick of my eating disorder I journaled a lot and I used to find that really really helpful in terms of like just getting your thoughts like out of your head because if you sit there with your thoughts going around and around and around, it will just drive you crazy. And I used to just, I used to open up a Word document on my laptop and I would just sit and type and type and type and type for like ages. And I always found that I felt so much better after that. And I think journaling and trying to reflect on how you feel can really help you to get in touch with the way your mindset is and the way you view the world around you. And I think that can be really helpful in changing your mindset. I'm so right there with you on that one. That's, I would say that's my most regular daily practice that I, that I have is journaling. And I like to think of it as almost like a mind cleanse every morning. And also sometimes when we write down our thoughts, do you ever notice this? Um, when we write down our thoughts, they they become something we can actually take in from like a different perspective rather than seeing them spinning around in our heads. When we write them down, it's like, first of all, we're, we're taking a closer look, which I think is important with anything, but also we can kind of 
take stock of like, do we want that particular thought ruling us or running our lives? And, and what's underneath of that thought that might be bringing us down? Um, it's such a great way to do some excavating of what's actually going on in our complicated minds and, you know, looking at it from a new viewpoint. So I love that journaling really helped you because it's something I often recommend for the women that I work with as well. And it's just such a powerful routine type practice that you can do in so many ways. Like it doesn't have to look a certain way, right? It can be random thoughts. It can be, you know, a way that we check in with ourselves every day. Like you, you could be typing on your computer, you know, even in the middle of, in the middle of a work day and just giving yourself some space from your own thoughts. So I really love that that was so helpful for you. So other than your journaling practice and your writing to reflect with your thoughts, um, is there any other daily practices or things that you do for yourself that have been anchors for you throughout your journey? Ooh, I think... I mean, predominantly it was journaling. I think more now, I don't necessarily journal that much now, um, but I think what I do quite a lot is just deep breathing. And that sounds so like simple and ineffective, but it is actually really, really helpful. Like I find I get very um, like overwhelmed when I have so much work going on and um, I'm just sat on my laptop all day and I, I get quite like, tense and I find that deep breathing can just be great for like physical just to physically relax my muscles but also for the mental side of it because it can just help me to feel a lot calmer for some reason um so I think deep breathing is probably something that I do every day um but in terms of like any other kind of practice I don't necessarily have like a daily sort of routine um so yeah, I guess, I guess deep breathing really. Okay. Yeah. It's nice that these can also be simple because mm -hmm. honestly, if you were to list 20 things you did every day, people listening might be like, wow, I don't know if I can do that. Um, it's a lot, but by simply breathing and being in our body and engaging that calming side of our nervous system with our breath, there's pretty much uh, an incredible power just right there. And it's available to us all the time. It can be driving in our car. We can be in the middle of working. We can be cooking dinner. We can be sitting and meditating. And breath is, I think, one of the most powerful sources of healing that we have available to us. And when we combine that with something like journaling, when we feel inspired or when we need to, um, right there, I think those are both really pretty significant embodiment type practices that bring us right into, right in the moment, right into the present moment with ourselves. And what could be better than that? Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I have another question for you and I know you and I spoke a little bit about this in a conversation we had recently, but I think it's important to bring it up for this particular time of year and this time when there is a new year 
And there is this pressure from the world cultural, you know, driving us to improve ourselves, fix ourselves, make these new year's resolutions. And the majority of them, if we like do a breakdown of what's the most popular resolution in the new year, from my research, I've seen that to be weight loss. And the most common way that people want to lose weight is through dieting. So diet culture gets so revved up at this time of year. And I'm just wondering like how that impacts, um, for example, you, but also your clients and what we can do instead, because if we can prepare ourselves for this wave of media heading our way, right? It's like we, it's like a forecast. We can predict it at this point that the new year is coming and there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, jump on board with some of these very radical and very high pressure type um, messaging, you know, what can we do instead to love ourselves into health rather than looking at it from this fixing ourselves and following, you know, the cultural norms? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think New Year is like the worst time for diet culture and, you know, people wanting to change their bodies. And I think the best way to look at that kind of thing, if you do have like a health or fitness goal, is to look at it as a way of how can I make myself healthier as opposed to I want to look a certain way. Because when you come from a point of, wanting to improve your health you're naturally going to make better decisions that are more I guess more sustainable um and that is ultimately the goal if you do want to change the way you look then you can do that like that's great but it should come from a place of like you're wanting to improve your health and the looks are going to come secondary to that if that makes sense And I think that is like the answer to when you set any kind of goal is, well, a health and fitness goal is to just come from that kind of mindset instead of, I want to change the way I look. Because if you come from just wanting to change your appearance, you're probably going to want quick results. And usually that's where you see the over-exercise and the under-eating because you just want those rapid results. Right. So once again, we look at mindset and we say to ourselves, I'm in this for the long game, right? I'm in this for health. I'm in this for happiness. I'm eating to love myself versus restricting or eating in a way that is self-sabotaging. I'm exercising to love myself rather than exercising in a way because I often see this people exercising as a form of like self self-loathing, right? Because they want to change their body. It's it's a small shift and yet it's a huge impact, right? It's like eating to love our body, exercising to love our body, and you know, to feel good in our bodies through eating foods that are energizing and healthful and exercising in a way to maybe get more sunshine or 
feel energized throughout the day or build, build our and boost our to boost our endorphins is so different than all of the above from a perspective of I'm not okay. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not strong enough. Does that, does that sound like accurate to what you're saying? Yeah, hundred percent. I think you've hit it on the spot there. It's, it's, um, such a good reminder that a lot of what you're promoting and a lot of what you're sharing is really this subtle change in perspective, the subtle change in how we're thinking about ourselves and, and the actions that we're doing to follow. So I really appreciate it being like in a nutshell like that, because once again, more accessible, right? It's more accessible when we're like, oh, okay, I'm going to make that little mindset shift. And hopefully with practice, does take practice to shift our mindset. We just have to keep catching those thoughts and then turning them around. And so um, I'm glad that we're able to share that right at the time of year when it gets to be the most challenging for food and body image um, in the world, I think. So I would love to know a little bit more about your book and maybe you can share with us first a little bit about the book, but also why you wrote it. I'm sure that there's many layers to that. And I definitely want our listeners to know where they can find your, your, your book and your podcast and all the things that you're doing in the world to really promote health and wellness. Yeah, of course. So, so my book, um, my book is called Diaries of an Anorexic and I wrote it almost two years ago now. And it was something that I'd, I wanted to do when I was actually going through the eating disorder. Well, I didn't want to write it then, but I knew that if I did recover, I would want to write a book about it because I, I wanted to share like the true insights of what it's like living with an eating disorder. And the reason it's called Diaries of an Anorexic is because I included actual sort of inserts from my journals, from my diaries. And I wanted to include those because again, like I wanted to convey like a true insight into the mind of someone who's going through an eating disorder. And the real reason I wrote the book was to help people who are suffering, to show them that what they're going through, like they're not alone and full recovery is possible. And even, even though it doesn't feel like it might be possible at the time, it is. And that was ultimately why I wrote the book really. And I guess also to help, sorry, my cat's meowing. I guess also to help those who are supporting somebody with an eating disorder, because it can be difficult knowing how to support somebody when they are suffering. And I guess they can read this book and get a bit more of an insight into what that person is going through so they can offer the right support. Um, So yeah, I guess that's my book. And in terms of um, where you can find it, so it's available on Amazon. And if you just type in either my name or Diaries of an Anorexic, it should come up. Um, And my podcast... Sorry, my cat literally won't stop me out. I mean, 
my podcast <laughs> is called Finding My Fit, like I mentioned at the start, and that's available on pretty much every podcast platform, um, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, um, and in terms of my social media, my Instagram is Finding My Fit Podcast, and um, I try and post on there almost daily. Um, so yeah, I guess that kind of sums up my book and my podcast. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that we have some resources from you to share because I, once again, I think sharing our story is so powerful. And when we share our stories, so many other people can learn from it and also relate to it. And there is something so healing around feeling like we're not alone in this journey. And I, I know that um, those times when I've been going through challenging struggles in my life and I've been able to connect with, share and hear about other people struggling in a similar way. It's really been unifying for me and really hopeful. It brings hope. And I think that's a uh, perspective that many of us need when we're going through challenging times. And so I appreciate that you were able to use your recovery as a springboard to really help others. It's such good work that you're doing in the world. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on Satiate. I have one last question for you. And that is a question I ask a lot on the podcast, actually. What does it mean for you to be satiated? Oh, that's a good question. I like that. Um, and thank you for all the kind words you just said. Um, I really appreciate you spending the time talking to me today. And I guess in terms of what satiated means to me, I think I kind of feel like when I hear that word, I think of being full, but not just physically full, you know, with food. I think full as in being fulfilled. Um, and that could be in any aspect of your life, whether it is your physical health, your mental health, spiritual health, social health. I feel like satiated to me is like being fulfilled in all of those different aspects of life. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of what springs to mind when I hear that word. Beautiful. I love that. There's so much more that we need in life to feed ourselves beyond food and which is exactly why I named this podcast satiate. So thank you. Um, it's, Great to have you, Athena, and I really can't wait to publish this episode and share it with our listeners, and I'm just excited that we got to meet each other and connect, and I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It is such an honor to spend time with you here on Satiate. And may this conversation be of benefit. From my heart to yours, I wish you health and happiness for the coming season. And may we meet again here very soon. Take good care.